get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Smallman on 101 ESPN, and it's time for a special Thursday edition of Wednesdays with Wayno. Adam Wainwright joining us from Milwaukee, where the Cards take on the Brewers in the finale of their four-game series. Wayno, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are y'all doing? Everything's great. I want to start with this because I know that you are a, a big fan of rooting for the USA, whether it's in the Olympics or something like the World Cup or the Ryder Cup. What a shame that the schedule didn't work out, that you couldn't make the trip over to Whistling Straits to watch the U.S. at least once in this Ryder Cup this coming weekend. Well, I mean, it was an option to go over and watch them practice or for me to go over and play a great golf course myself. So, um, I will watch them on TV and take the really nice golf course. <laughs> so we played an excellent golf course yesterday, me and Matt Carpenter. And, and uh, this is the sneakiest, best golf town in the entire United States. Really? I, I'm just convinced of it. I mean, it's just you got Aaron Hills, which is one of my top five. You got Whistling Straits. You got Blue Mound. You got Milwaukee Country Club. There's a couple other ones that are – not on the top 100 list, but our excellent golf course, too. The topography here is great. I mean, it's, you know, there's some sneaky towns, but Pittsburgh's another one that's got incredible, incredible golf courses. But this one, is, this one is the tops for me because Aaron Hills is special. Milwaukee Country Club is special. And Whistling Straits is special. And Blue Mound is really, really cool, too. Which one did you play this week? Blue Mound. Okay, great. So it's a, that's a good tip for people, and it's a short drive if people want to go for a, for a golf trip. Now they know that Adam Wainwright has his stamp of approval on the Milwaukee area. Well, and Aaron Hills and Whistling Straits are both private are both public courses, so you can log in online and, and sign up to, to play a tee times there when they're available. Now the only problem with right now is because the Ryder Cup's in town. Every single person in the world that plays golf or wants to watch golf is here to watch this event. So, um, so the, the courses are all pretty much booked. Adam, I'm sure you and Matt Carpenter and all your teammates are excellent golfers, but I can't imagine you're playing better golf than you're playing baseball right now. We're taping this on Wednesday. You and your teammates have won 10 in a row right now, and you said this to Randy and I several weeks ago. We asked you what your team needed to do to get into a playoff position, and you said we need to go on a winning streak, and here you are. You've pulled it off. How does it feel right now? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a crazy thought, really, when you think about it. We, we we had a really tough series against the Reds where we won two out of three. We went into a, a very dangerous Mets team that was right on the cusp of the playoffs and swept them. We played an incredibly dangerous Padres team that was on the cusp of the playoffs and had had possession of their second block card the entire season uh, and swept them. And then... You know, we won the first two games against a very, very obviously very tough Milwaukee team. So we're clicking at the right time. We need to not get comfortable. We need to keep this going. We got bigger series ahead, and and uh, and luckily we put ourselves into a good situation where we control our own destiny. Adam, any time that a streak happens, I think of superstitions. Is there anything that you or your teammates are doing the same now that you've been rolling ten games in a row? 
Say that one more time. Michelle, sorry, I missed you. Oh, no, you're good. I said whenever I think of a streak, you know, we think about playoff superstitions or beards or something like that. I think of a streak and I think of superstitions. So I'm wondering if there's anything that you or any of your teammates are doing now that you've won 10 in a row. You need to keep things consistent. Uh, that's a good question. I don't think so. It doesn't seem like, I mean, you know, besides stuff that players might not want me to share. On my, I mean, <laughs> guys might have on some some holy sliding shorts underneath their their pants or something. But I, I think what's what's more than anything is a team that's just come together. It's gelling. It's it's the nucleus is is rocking. You know, we've got. Great mojo gone. Everybody's rooting for each other. Everybody's really excited in the dugouts. Uh, I mean, it's just a, it's just been a kind of a revival. Like we knew it was there. It just wasn't, you know, wasn't sticking its head out just yet. And that's kind of what's going on right now. Adam, you're also getting some help from some other teams. Does this kind of have at all a 2011 feel for you? Well, I, I had this talk with some of the guys that were there to celebrate that reunion the other day. It has shades of it, for sure, right? Like, we, we were in a, in a bad spot. We had a tough schedule. Um, things that were similar, obviously the schedule is in our favor. I mean, it was going to be tough, but back then we played Atlanta. We played the Brewers. We played, you know, we played all the teams that were ahead of us on the on the on the schedule this time we we played all the teams that were ahead of us on the schedule we played the reds we played the padres we played the mets you know we playing the brewers in our division now i mean they're they're i mean almost certainly going to win the division but we're playing all these teams where you're looking at it going all right i'm not saying it's going to be easy but it is possible and so i was having this discussion with some of the guys I, i just don't want to take away anything from what that 11 team did because Back then, there was not two wild card spots. There was one wild card spot, and we were ten and a half back in September, and won that second or that won that wild card spot. I mean, that's just wild. So, is it is it similar? Yes, it's similar. Um, but you're t- talking about coming back from you know four games back or whatever we are or whatever we were from ten and a half back. I mean, you know, it's just cur- it's a crazy thing. So. Just to respect the guys that were there that traveled to, to see each other and, and, and won a World Series together, I said, hey, it's similar, but y'all are special. you know. <laughs> hey, Adam, w- one thing that is similar is that at the deadline that year, the Cardinals go out and they get Edwin Jackson for the rotation and they get Zepchinski and Otel and sign Arthur Rhodes. This year, the team goes out and gets a guy like T.J. McFarland and a guy like Luis Garcia for the bullpen, gets the two starters in Hap and and John Lester. As players, how does that make you feel when, on a pretty consistent basis, the organization goes out and makes moves that work? We, we didn't we're, in the media. We're saying, "Oh, Hap and Lester, great," and they they wind up working. So, for in a clubhouse, how does that dynamic work? Well. Here's what we knew. We knew we were going to get guys who were going to come in and attack the strike zone, which was one of the things we were struggling with the most, wasn't it? I mean, we were our, – our, our rotation, you know, it was was banged up. We Jack was out. Miles wasn't back yet. Um, we had a couple – we had 
couple young guys in there who who hadn't found their way just yet as being superstar starters like they're going to. We had Johnny Gant, who's very talented, but, you know, he was walking a lot of people. We had Oviedo in, very, very talented, but walking a lot of people and putting ourselves into a bad situation sometimes. We knew we were getting guys in that were going to attack the zone. We're veteran pitchers who had been in big, big games who were going to understand how to pitch down the stretch because there is something to that. Um, and that's what we're getting. You know, these guys are comfortable in any situation. John Lester, the bigger the game, the better the pitcher he is. I think everybody in the world knows that. Um, and you had guys who are, are are not just that. Happ and Lester were both guys who are are kind of trying to rep- like recruit themselves a little bit and, and had to, you know, they came over here with, with open minds and changed some of the styles that they were doing based off some of the information they were getting and were not were – not, uh, didn't let their egos get in the way of that. Like, hey, you've been doing this for 20 years. I'm going to keep doing it now. It was like, all right, help me. What can we do to get better? And those guys had an open mind about that. But they're also just winners. You know, they're winners. And when you add winners to a situation, it's going to be better. But also, you know what? It's really helped our clubhouse atmosphere with with just adding a couple of veteran players, guys who aren't aren't afraid to, you know, aim it up a little bit, talk a little bit in there, lighten, lighten the – the, the mood up a little bit, you know, you can only hear that from one or two people so many times. You need a you need kind of a great mix of old and young to be able to do that. And there's a banter in there that's – now that's one thing that's similar to 11 right now is the banter in the clubhouse has got those – it's just full of characters now, and that's, that is a very, very important thing. It's Wednesdays with Wayno. More coming up with the Cardinal right-hander on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Wednesdays with Wayno continues, Randy and Michelle. Adam, you mentioned that John Lester is a winner. He is a 200 winner, in fact. It was a special moment watching him get win 200 this week. You're at 183. You've got several starts left this season. You're coming back next year. I'm sure you've thought about getting to that 200 mark as well. Well, to quote the great John Lackey, that's a great round number. You know, I think it would be awesome, you know, but it's, it is something that uh, I'd like to get a couple more in this year to, you know, to maybe, you know, have a really good chance at it. Um, now, if, if the season ended today, I, I still feel like I could do it next year too, but um, wins are sometimes out of your control. Now, the thing that you can control is carrying your team deep into the game, uh, pitching a quality a quality game, keeping your team in there so so you have a chance to win. Woody Williams used to always tell me, if you want wins, you got to go seven. I think I've said that on here before with mm-hmm. y'all. And you know, the lot of, it's funny that a lot of times you look at the guys who have the most wins; they're the guys going seven the most times, and uh, a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times. And so that's that's what I can control. So it would be great. Don't get me wrong; that would be a that would be a real nice round number. But um, we'll see what happens. Another round number that you will get in your start against the Brewers is 2,000 strikeouts. Were you bummed at all that you weren't able to get that at home? Yes, after the fact. I I, I knew I was close. I didn't know how close. Uh, I, if I'd have known all I needed was one going into that last inning, 
I would have just been bouncing all kinds of breaking balls in the dirt when I got some of those two-strike counts and just begging somebody to fish. But uh, they did a good job on, on, with two strikes. I mean, and I didn't have my really good breaking ball last game. It was okay, but it didn't have that real good late bite um, on my cutter or my or my curveball, actually. So everything I threw last game was just kind of average. It wasn't nothing – was, nothing was bad, but nothing was great. And to get those punch outs, sometimes you got to have one or two working, you know, with that good late life to get the swing and miss. But I can tell you, if I knew I was one away going into the last, I mean, especially I had Will Myers uh, one and two, and he fouled off a couple of pitches that I threw, like, you know, on the corner, down the way or whatever. Man, I would have been two hopping those balls, opening this to swing at it so I could get that at home in front of our great crowds. But um, it's all right. I, I came out, I, I said, uh, I said, Jack, what do I need, like two or three more? He goes, you just needed one more. I'm like, one more, no! Oh, no. <laughs> and, Adam, you didn't get any help from the umpire that night, and you handle it so well when an umpire is having an off night. Have you always been that way? Did you ever, uh, in your younger days, react poorly to an umpire having a bad night? Not really, Randy, because I was an umpire growing up. Um, that was one of my one of my first jobs. I was a, hmm. I was a caddy at the golf course and I was an umpire at the, at the local little league field that I grew up playing on. And I can tell you, that's a hard job, man. That's harder than you think. Uh, it's hard calling those bang, bang plays at first. It's hard calling, you know, a, a legit zone behind the plate. Cause I was, uh, I was a pitcher's umpire. Don't get me wrong. Um, <laughs> if it was, you know, if it was a couple inches off the plate, I, you better swing the bat boys. So, uh, but you know, they've been doing it a long, long time. They're professionals, so they, they ought to be better than I was umpiring Little League, but but it's still a, it's still a not an easy job. These pitches that, you know, not to toot our own horns, but those pitches we're throwing are pretty gross. They're pretty nasty. They got that good late life, and it's it's a hard job. But uh, the thing you can't do is show them up out there because some of these veteran umpires, if you do that one time, he ain't calling anything for you. So you got to be smart about it. You know, you got to let them know. But you think that that was a strike, so you maybe pout around a little bit, like, or maybe like what I like to do is give a good hard stare, like, are you, <laughs> like, are you kidding me without saying any words, so that they can't freak out about it. But I'm giving them a stare, like, dude, I just, I just threw a pitch that I want you to know was an absolute stone cold strike, and you missed it without saying it. You know what I mean? Like, give them that look. And kind of and kind of walk back, get the rosin bag, and and, and they give him one good stare again, like, hey, clean it up back there. And sometimes there's a there's a there's a strategy behind that too, because sometimes you know it was one inch off, but you're you're trying to get it for the next time, so you might you might give that good hard stare, but maybe like a three quarter stare, because you know, like, hey, I really want that. Or you might go up there and talk to him at the plate when you go up to bat. You might say, hey, where you got that pitch? Because you don't want to say. Hey, was that pitch down? Because then he thinks, oh yeah, it was down. Mm-hmm. And I say, hey, was that pitch in? Because then you know he thinks it was in, and he called the right pitch. You say, hey, where you got that? Yeah. And then they say, well, I had it down. Like, man, I didn't have it down at all, you know. But you'll see. Watch John Lester when he pitches. Yeah, he's going to give that good hard stare about three fourths of the time. But after a while, you know, they start giving into it. <laughs> and sometimes they start, and they he did that for years. They start calling it for him. Yeah, you're a savvy veteran. By the way, I want to go back to you umpiring as a kid, because if you grow up watching Greg Maddox and the way the umpires treated Greg Maddox, everything that was two two inches off the plate was a, was a strike, right? So I can understand how you grew up thinking that that was a strike. 
Well, the bigger the strike zone was bigger back then, you know. Mm-hmm. And that, and and let's be honest, if they really wanted to speed up the games, they would just turn the strike zone back over to the umpires, let them call strikes again. I mean, that's that's the best way to speed up a game. Now the offense is going to suffer from it, so that's not what they want for the game of baseball. They they want to Major League Baseball wants more offense, more offense, more offense. That's why they've changed the ball a million different times and done all the other things that they've done, but. Uh, if they want to speed it up, let them call those strikes. Remember Levon Hernandez yep. pitching against the Braves in the 1997 NLCS? That Eric, broke my heart. Eric Gregg. Eric behind the plate, calling you know, back up breaking balls a foot and a half off the plate to Fred McGriff and Chipper Jones. Man, I was I was just screaming bloody murder. But Greg Maddox pitched that same game. And so he could have done the same thing. And we just, uh, you know, the Braves didn't take advantage of it back then. But I love a big strike zone, Randy. It's, there's no better thing in the world than a big strike zone when you're out there pitching. Do you get respect as a veteran? And I know Maddox got this because throw it. If you're one or two inches off the plate, are there some, some certain umpires that will say, okay, that's where Adam wanted to throw it, so I'm going to give him the strike? I don't know about that, but the umpires have, uh, and i got to be careful because umpires might listen to this. I think <laughs> I think y'all are outstanding umpires. Y'all are all doing a great job. Um, umpires have tendencies, you know, so uh, you might have one umpire who, who doesn't call the low strike, which hurts my feelings, Randy. That hurts my feelings when he doesn't call the low strike. Um, but he might call the high one, you know, or he might call off into a lefty, but he's not going to give you away. And he's, he might call off into a righty, but he's not going to give you away or vice versa. And you usually know, they're usually pretty good about, you know, establishing their strikes on early where at least you know where you can go and where you can't go, right? Like, so if I know, you know, a guy's not calling a low strike, it doesn't mean I'm not going to throw it. I'm going to keep throwing and hopefully they swing the bat. But at some point I've got to, you know, I've got to establish a strike zone of my own. I've got to understand that those hitters got to know that I'm going to be 0-1 instead of 1-0. So I have to find something else to do. Pitching is a, there's a lot that goes into it. And those umpires are a big part of it. Adam, I wanted to ask you about Tyler O'Neill, who's been incredible during this winning streak. He's really coming into his own. He was a National League Player of the Week. He looked like he looks like he's developing into a star in front of our very eyes. So I'm just curious, from your vantage point, as somebody that's watched him all season and and prior to that, what kind of growth have you seen from Tyler O'Neill for him to arrive at this point? I think he's a star already. I think he's. Uh... I think he is a very, very unique player that has speed and power, uh, a good understanding of the strike zone, um, pretty good average. I did not know he was going to be this good. I'm just going to be honest. I did not know he was going to be this good this fast. He had potential, but we have seen him grow so much over a one-year span that it's crazy. You know, he's not swinging at as many balls. He's He's still able to drive the ball. He's hitting the off-speed pitches really well this year, but he's also, you know, he's the second half of the year he started getting some more fastballs too. Um, he's hitting the ball down, in, up, out. But what the main thing that we see is is a plate discipline and, and, a, and a, a will to learn off the field that I didn't see from, from him in previous years. Now, he's only been up a year or two, but I see him studying hitters a lot, or pitchers a lot. I see him really trying to understand what the starting pitcher and the other pitchers are trying to accomplish when they face it. You know, that's, and that's a big part of it is, is when you step up to the plate as a hitter, what are you, do you know what this pitcher has? Do you know what the shape of this pitches are? Do you know what his tendencies are? Do you know 
if he likes using this pitch with two strikes or this pitch to get ahead or whatever, does he use this pitch when there's runners on base, blah, blah, blah. And that was one thing that made Carlos Beltran and Matt Holliday and Albert Pujols and all the really great stars that we've had over the years. That was what made them special was they just had such a great understanding of what the pitcher was trying to do when they got up there. And, and Tyler has really, really learned a lot in that regard. I see him with his iPad all the time studying the pitcher that, that's going to pitch that night. You know, and, and when you do that, you're more prepared. And when you're more prepared, you're more confident. There's just no getting around it. And I see a, a guy who's really confident out there who's got a plan and a purpose, and uh, he's putting it into action. It's really cool to see. Absolutely. I also, Adam, wanted to ask you, we, we always love to talk to you about anything that you have going on with Big League Impact, but you want fans to keep packing Bush Stadium for that final homestand of the regular season versus the Brewers. Tickets are on sale right now for just $5 for that series. $10 tickets. People can go to cardinals.com slash Wayno to get the tickets to Big League Impact for that series. But I heard you talking over the weekend about how important it was to feel that rumble back at Bush Stadium and how much an effect the fans have on the team. Can you just elaborate on that a little bit? Because we know what it's like to be in the stands and feel that electricity, but how much does having the the fans back at Bush Stadium and and having them loud and engaged impact you and your teammates? Well, it just, you know what it does? It provides a natural adrenaline rush that you cannot get on your own. Uh, You get into those big situations. You know, there's been times in my career where I go out for the ninth inning and I got two outs and and maybe a tough batter's up with a deep count or something, and I'll take a step back and kind of grab the rosin bag. Really what I'm trying to do is soak in the crowd, trying to to feel that emotion that they're they're pouring out, trying to feel that buzz and give me a little bit more push to to finish the job. And and the same thing can be said for our, our, our bench. Man, you know what? It's just not talked about enough. But one of the most important things about winning baseball clubs is watching their excitement from the bench, watching that that bench rocking, and keeping the guys keeping the guys up, keeping the guys alert, keeping the guys fired up for their next at bat or whatever it is. Keeping the excitement going, it is a real thing. And if you don't, have never played, you don't really understand it. But when the when the when the crowd gets into it and the crowd starts rocking. They push the bench, and the bench goes, oh, man, that's awesome. Come on, boys. Come on, boys. Let's go. We got to show these fans, you know, give them what they want. Like, we got to – I mean, it's just there's something there that you cannot get without a crowd. And last year when we played that pandemic season, 2020, man, we had to do a lot of self-pump up, you know, step off the mound like, come on, baby, let's go. You know, and, and we're doing that anyways to an extent, but – when you have a crowd pushing you, it makes it so much easier to get there, and it makes it so much more exciting. And, and, and you know, when you pull up to the to the crowd to the stadium, and you see the people out there tailgating. You smell those hot dogs and the onions on the grills going. And there's just an excitement and a buzz in the air that you can't replace. And it makes baseball so special, and it makes it so fun to play. And so, I'm glad, man. That crowd the other night was rocking. We needed them. And uh, going forward, we're going to need them even more because we got to finish this job off. And and when we get into this playoffs, 
We're a very dangerous team. Watch out. Anything can happen. We've seen it before. Wayno, I want people to go to bigleagueimpact.org and check out the amazing things that Big League Impact does. And, of course, we've got the Fantasy Football League going. And both you and us have kind of been in the middle of the pack in the first two weeks. I say that we're lurking. We're kind of like the Cardinals in the middle of the season. We're, we're just lurking, waiting for our opportunity to pounce here. Randy, you never show your cards right away. There's, this is a long season, you know. You, you you save something in the tank. Everybody thinks they got you all figured out, and then you surprise you spring your trap. You know that's all we're doing. We're just uh, setting people up. You know, sometimes a hitter will go o two, and he's just setting that pitcher up, trying to get to that pitch he's been looking for the whole time. That's what we're doing. Adam, this is our last Wednesdays with Wayne. Oh, of course, this is a special Thursday edition. We want to thank you for all you've done for us during the course of the year. Go get that 2000 strikeout in Chicago and have a great playoff run. So what I want to do before I, before we leave, I want to say thanks to uh, 101 ESPN. Obviously, thanks for, for giving us this airtime to talk about Big League Impact, but also it's been fun for me, too. And Valley Sports Midwest has been great. RT Sports, our great hub for our, our um our charity uh, for our fantasy events, they just do an amazing job. Good local company. If you're looking for a, a fantasy company to, to do your draft with, I, I recommend RT Sports big time. But then Cardinals Care is amazing. Texas Rangers, Philadelphia Phillies, they've been great for us. But also local partners like Rawlings and Schnooks uh, and Series 6 have been amazing. And our trophies coming from um, – something called trophy smack this year and it's really cool it's a it's a like a it's like a wrestling belt it's like a world championship belt so we're gonna have a great prize but yeah i just want to say thanks to all the people who made this possible appreciate it no and thank you for making it so great for us and uh being so easy to work with you're a pleasure and hopefully we'll be able to do it again next year all right thanks guys appreciate the time all right thanks wayno have a great day thanks adam that is Adam Wainwright getting ready for strikeout number 2000 today in Milwaukee. And what a fun year it was with him. Here's the lowdown on lowering bad cholesterol from Lecvio. Lowering bad cholesterol is hard, but you could do hard. You live through five fad diets, 11 sleep training nights, nine mediocre middle school recitals, one heart attack, and with Lecvio, you can lower your bad cholesterol and keep it low with two doses a year after two starter doses. Prescription Lecvio in glycerin is given by a doctor for people with known heart disease on a statin with diet who need more help lowering bad cholesterol. Common side effects were injection site reaction, joint pain, urinary tract infection, diarrhea, chest cold, pain in legs or arms, and shortness of breath. Results may vary. Learn more at Lecvio.com or call 1-833-537-8462. Ask your doctor about Lecvio. That's L-E-Q-V-I-O. Lower, longer, Lecvio. Let me guess. Unknown caller? You could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection. The latest innovation from Discover will help regularly remove your personal info, like your name and address, from 10 popular people search websites that could sell your data. And we'll do it for free. Activate in the Discover app. See terms and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection.